Welcome back to Bible study. Um, I say welcome back, but and I've been saying that for the last six years or so, uh, and it's been welcome back to Alan and Ian. But um, sadly, as we know, Alan has gone to glory. And uh, I say welcome back because it's God's word which lasts forever and never changes. And um, we, we all grieve uh, the loss of our dear brother, uh, Alan, but we know that he is with the Lord now in glory. Um, I will miss him especially. Um, he, he helped me out of a few, a few holes while digging into the scriptures, and he, he, uh, he is a very special brother. And we also will miss Ian, who's retired from Bible study, but I just want to honour my dear brother Ian as well, who has um, uh, contributed so much um, over so many years uh, to the Lord's service in ministry, pastoring a church, and then for many years here on Bible study. So bless you, Ian, if you're watching, and thank you, uh, everyone, for all your love and support over these uh, recent weeks and, of course, the years of Bible study. So uh, on that note, I'm going to introduce uh, uh, two sort of old, old noi, as they would say. Uh, they're old and new, and we know them well, and, love, and I know the viewers love you greatly. So I'll introduce John uh, Campbell first, Lieutenant Colonel um, <laughs> John Campbell. Uh, of, I think it's seven or eight years ago, John, we, we uh, were doing Bible study with Hugh Jackman. That's right, yeah. And you haven't aged one bit in all those bless years. You, bless your darling heart. Yes. <laughs> we say there are seven years of plenty yeah. and seven years of famine. <laughs> but I don't think that will apply to our Bible studies. And, and then I, I'll also introduce, it's, it's Dr. Derek Walker. No, actually. Just I, did, I said that once to David Pawson. He, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, used to, I said yeah. Dr. David Pawson. Well, it's because my initials are DR, you see, Derek yes. Richard Walker. So sometimes, particularly if I go abroad, they, they announce me as Dr. Yeah. Derek Walker, but I'm not actually. <laughs> so we got, we're going to have to, there's going to be a bit of iron sharpening iron going on here. And um, I, I've, I've got two very eminent, learned biblical scholars who can correct me when I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'll, I'll try and keep, keep the flow of the Bible study. So what you really want to know is what are we going to be studying? Now we ended... Um, our study uh, in Acts on Acts chapter 20. It's a very profound verse and it's moved me greatly thinking of it where it said that Paul's um, friends and companions were grieved because they would not see his face again and they went unto the ship. That was the very last verse we did with Alan and Ian together. Uh, we're starting a new book uh, which was written many years ago. Uh, uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, there are four chapters and we'll see how the Lord leads us uh, as we go through these ama amazing scriptures which are so relevant to our day. Uh, and I'm not going to steal the thunder of, of, of my guests here uh, by saying anything about the book of Jonah. I should just read uh, from chapter one, book of Jonah after Obadiah and after Amos Minor Prophets in the First Testament. Um, Jonah chapter 1, and I shall read up to verse 16, and then John will pray. Now, 
the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Thanks, John. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sheer joy of being able to fellowship around your word, to throw it backwards and forwards between each other as you pull back meaning and understanding that we're allowed to, you pull back the veil on meaning and understanding, that we can see deeper into your plans and your attitudes and your sheer unadulterated holiness. Mm. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to teach us today. And we thank you for the discussion which we're about to have. And we ask, Lord, more than anything else, that all that we say should bring glory and honour to God glory and honour to our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, here we go. 
with, uh, with one of the epics, the epic books of the scriptures, uh, very relevant to our day. Uh, can we first, Derek, have the, the context? When was this in history? When did it happen? And, and then we can talk about where it fits into the scriptures. Yes, well, we, do, we are told uh, of Jonah at one other place in the scripture. So I suppose we should turn there first of all. And that's in um, 2 Kings chapter 14. And this is, uh, he was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel when there was that divided kingdom. And in, in 2 Kings 14, it's talking about the reign of Jeroboam. This is Jeroboam II. Jeroboam I was the original one who rebelled and then set up idolatrous worship centers at Dan and Bethel and with a golden calf. Mm. This is Jeroboam II, and of all the northern kings, he, he was the most powerful. He was the most outwardly successful, you might say, but he was an evil king, we're told. So in, in, uh, in verse 23, 2 Kings 14, 23, it says, um, in the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, that's Jer the first, <laughs> the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah. So that, that's mm. the same Jonah, mm. the son of Amittai. And um, again, he's called Jonah the son of Amittai mm. in, in the book of Jonah. The prophet from Gath Hefer. And um, for the Lord, verse 26, saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter and uh, where the bond or free and there was no helper for Israel. So we're in the situation where at this time the main enemy ha had been Syria. In and, the and the rough year. I know we can't be absolutely precise, although you're very precise in many of your studies. Um, but where are we roughly? It's, it's after David. It's the 8th century. Eighth century. This is a tricky one but so to get into it. Yeah, but let's roughly, it. let's say 800. Okay, yeah. Yeah. roughly. Okay. But there, so there's 3, a, there's years a bit ago. of a dispute over this because of Assyrian chronology yeah. versus biblical chronology. Yeah. But um, yes, let's, for the sake of, say about it. We know, I, I mean, I'm, sim I'm a simpleton, so I remember the 3,000th anniversary celebrations of Jerusalem. Okay. <laughs> and so that sort of times me, uh, you know, yeah. where David was, yeah. roughly um, three millennia ago. And then it was after that, so about, it sounds about right, eight, 800. Say so 800, so, yes. So um, it's before um, the, the, pro the Babylonian exile, it's before those prophets, Jonah was around then. Exactly. It's included in, fact, in our he was scriptures. One of the earlier prophets. Yeah. He he came after Elisha. Yeah. And some think that he might have been part of Elisha's school of prophets. You might might say. Yeah. Because yeah. he kind of come yeah. soon after that, and it seems like likely that when Jeroboam actually became appointed as king, quite likely that at that very moment of that inauguration as king, he gave this very positive prophecy, you know. And, and remember, Jeroboam was, was, was an evil king, but even so, God had compassion on his people who had really been suffering under the Syrians. And he gives this very prophet, positive prophecy, uh, and perhaps God's hope was that by, by blessing Israel, they would turn back to God. Yeah. 
And this prophecy basically saying you will expand your borders. You will take over a lot of the, the um, Syrian territory. In fact, you'll restore things to m a bit like what they were in, under Solomon. So this is a tremendous prophecy that obviously came to pass and that established Jonah's credentials as a prophet yeah. because prophets gave long-term long prophecies but also God gave them short-term prophecies to establish them as prophets. And so Jonah made a tremendous impact right there and obviously became very well good, known. But it's obviously um, a, a different kettle of fish Nineveh, but I'm just going to put something to John because it's cropped up both in, in that reading in Kings and right at the beginning in our reading in Jonah. <clears throat> uh, and we live in a secular age that is very illiterate about the scriptures and scriptural terminology, but there's, we've spoken about two things, evil and wickedness. And we won't completely dominate the whole program with this because the scriptures doesn't, but um, what, what, is, what is wickedness? Well, w wickedness is really anything that departs from the, the way the, the Lord expects us and requires us and, in fact, demands that we <coughs> behave. Um, of course, we treat that slightly differently in New Testament times, but only in as much as we have the wonderful protection and filter of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood. But, but it, it, it sounds almost blasphemous to say, put that to one side, because of course you can't put it to one side. But mankind hasn't changed. He never changes. He is ultimately wicked. Uh, and he seeks after his own pleasure, and he's very easily drawn after his own pleasure, especially when he's in a group, and when the group becomes a people, then they just become rampantly wicked and evil, chasing... And often it's, uh, you know, you, you, there's a correlation between the wickedness of the people and the wickedness of the king. Yes, and biblically uh, without a doubt, comes often, from the it? head. It, oh. it flows. We see the spiritual principle here. It flows yeah. from the head down to the people. Now, whether you're talking about a blessing which flows over, you know, like the oil over the head of Aaron and down his bed, it comes from the head and down. And, and, uh, and if the king is wicked, you can guarantee that most of the people will be wicked. Of course, the Lord has always had his own people everywhere. Um, and uh, so we have these men of God and women of God who've, who've held fast to the scriptures. But the people around them have been generally wicked, yeah. seeking after so, themselves and their own pleasures. So, um, we have in the story of Israel, the wickedness, as it were, of, of, um, of uh, you know, Jeroboam, and, and then his son carries on, Jeroboam II. Um, and I'm conscious of the fact that we, we, can, we can be drawn down many avenues just talking on this subject. But, it, but why, why Israel? Jo why, why was Jonah from Israel? What, why did God choose uh, Israel when you think of all the wickedness? Over to you, Derek. You, you mean in terms of God choosing as, as a Abraham, vehicle? Isaac and Jacob? Yes, as a vehicle. Yes, he, God's, again, God's election really is... Uh, that he, you can't, in a sense, explain why did God choose one over another. But obviously God chose Abraham, uh, and through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God decided to, that he would reveal his will, his law, his righteousness, and ultimately bring forth the Messiah. Because without 
because our wickedness actually is, is, is within our very nature. You know, iniquity is the very sin nature in man that results in that wickedness. And ultimately, there is only one solution, and that, and that is the Messiah. And so God ultimately chose Israel to, to bring forth the Messiah. And, um, and so despite the sad history often of Israel, and uh, th through God's interactions with Israel, of course, God reveals a lot about his nature. As so well the as amazing thing is, you've mentioned Abraham, is that really, even though <coughs> different regimes and different sort of dynasties fell away, God was faithful to his promise to Abraham. Yes. Mm. He, had, he promised Abraham and his seed, ultimately the Messiah, but also the land, and irrespective of all of these wicked kings, and it wasn't just yes. Jeroboam, was it? Um, God was faithful. I, I think that's such an important point, Tim, because this is, this is the faithfulness of God. This is the covenant of God that really we don't understand. We don't understand covenant. It's not part of our culture. It's part, certainly, it's part of this ancient culture and part of Middle Eastern culture and still is a part of Middle Eastern culture, but it's not part of ours. And God is faithful. I mean, he chose Abraham, not because of Abraham, he merited Abraham. He could have chosen anybody, but he chose Abraham. And it's certainly not because of any merit of the Israeli people over, over the Chinese people or the... Or the Iranian people. It, it was just who God chose for his own eternal reasons and, and he placed him in the geography that he wanted him to be and he told him to move, move from there to there. So, so the, 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 the location of Israel the is hugely important. Yeah. Now don't ask me why because I don't know. Well, it seems to but be it is clearly story. very, very important geographically. Yeah. 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 So that's what we'll do next. <laughs> And we see, we're, we're getting to know each other, so we'll find out who emerges as the, the geographer and who is the, you know, the archaeologist. But um, in terms of the geography, it's there hinged on these great continents, yeah. and, and Assyria is in reach, or, or Israel is in reach of Assyria. Mm. And God chose for Israel to be judged by a, a regime which wasn't in any way a good regime, but God chose for Israel to be judged, and that's the interaction that we have with, with Syria, with Assyria, mm. and um, and it's all there in the history books. Yes, the Jonah uh, at that time Assyria was growing in power, and had actually defeated Syria, and it was actually the that was the reason why they had this temporary prosperity, because Syria's power was. Was, was broken. And so Jeroboam could take advantage of that and reclaim a lot of that territory and it, it. broke. So uh, initially Assyria was a, was a blessing. But because of the wickedness, particularly Amos and Hosea, who were contemporaries of Jonah, were prophesying ju that judgment was going to come on Israel if yeah. they didn't repent. Yeah, I've just realized now, of course, we've already set the time and the Assyrian invasion was later. later <laughs> of course it was. Yes. And that, that was, you know, ultimately yeah. they would be judged by Syria yeah. in 720, so yeah. let's say 80 years yeah. later. Yeah. But um, the, already Hosea and Amos mention Assyria mm. as the instrument of judgment. Mm. And I think probably Jonah knew that. Mm. He knew not only that Assyria was the superpower, mm. but that God had already intimated mm. that Assyria would be used to judge Israel 
you know, if they don't repent. Yeah. And, th and that's a very important background. Good. So another point I'm going to bring up is, <coughs> is that you, you've mentioned that location, God chose that, uh, which is a very profound point, because I, I, we've, we've lived through a church um, period where people think, oh, God's not interested in land at all. He's only interested in the hearts. Yeah. But it seems as though he, he, he chose this place. He chose Jerusalem. Yeah. Said to Abraham, you know, yeah. there, there's a place, there's a city that you're to look for. Um, uh, you're also a land surveyor. What, what, what is there? What, what, what is, give us a little bit of an overview of, of Israel and Judah, because it was split after It was Solomon. split, that's right. You're Judah, the southern two tribes of yep. ben Benjamin and Judah. Yeah. And the northern ten tribes. And yeah. Don't need to recite all of those. Not many people do. No, no, I, I'm not going to. I can't. I can't. No, no, but they, they, you know, they, this big divide happened, and uh, this was never. Well, of course, the Lord knew it was going to happen. Of course, He did. I've got a nephew called Naphtali, so I do remember <laughs> the hills up in the north there. But, but yeah, it, it's. But it is basically vulnerable to to world empires deciding they want yes, to Yes, it up. is. And, and, of course, and Egypt had designs. Well, it is, on. and, and okay. we've we well. talked about Syria being used um, to bring judgment on Israel. We perhaps need to talk about that in more general terms. I mean, again, there's no merit in Syria. It's just the Lord is using them. They are, they are the tool he is using to bring judgment. And, of course, we see in the, uh, in the accounts, you know, where Israel will go out to battle and they'd be going out praising the Lord and, and I can't remember, you know, I can't remember chapter and verse of it, but they start praising the Lord and the enemies start attacking each other and they just gather the loot. Gosh, now, you see, it's always an opportunity, even right up to the point where the first arrow is fired, for them to turn back to the Lord and say, help! Mm. But they don't. Mm -hmm. He he would deliver them. I mean, we, we, we're going to see in the book of Nineveh, in the book of Jonah, how Nineveh is delivered. Is in fact, as unfulfilled prophecy showing that the prophecy was dependent upon certain actions. Mm -hmm. And so they, every time of this judgment, if Israel a lot of chances. Had, had thrown up and said, even as they were being attacked, as the walls were being yeah. breached, saying, Lord, help. But they didn't. Yeah. He'd have been there for them yeah. every time. So that's that's one the, of the purpose of these judgments, yeah. to cause them to know from whence does their help come. Yeah. Very good. So that, that's one of the great themes of, of Jonah, which we'll definitely explore, and, and repentance. Wickedness is probably enough for one, one programme. But... Um, the geographical thing, yes, can I please, just... Yeah, please, go, yeah, absolutely. Maybe a bit speculation. Okay. Now let's go back before the flood, where it was probably one huge continent. Mm -hmm. And I like to believe, I might be wrong, that the Garden of Eden was at the centre, and... Uh, it would have had the highest mountain on the earth, we won't go there. But then, of course, in the flood and after the flood, the, the landmass got broken up into different continents. But it is interesting that, you know, the Bible says, and geographically I think it's true, that Jerusalem is, is at the centre of the earth. Mm. It's, it's at the centre of the landmass of the earth. And I think that's one reason, I believe, some would disagree, but that actually it's called the Holy Land because it, it originally it was the location of Eden, mm. the land of Eden, mm. which was the original holy place. Mm. The, the, 
as it were. And you can say that, by the way, because no one knows where it was. Exactly. But, so no, why not? You can't why not? prove I'm wrong. But it makes sense that, um, I mean, again, I'm not into the tectonics, but uh, I, I heard that, um, oh, Grady. Grady's very good talked on this. about this, that, in fact, his idea was, which is interesting, that the Earth, if you think of it like as an eggshell, that the initial crack was actually in the land of Israel, Mount right. Hermon area. Exactly. Yeah. And that's then caused all the, the cracks and all that. So it's interesting that that's, in a way, where the original sin happened, potentially the, the later sin in the days of Noah. And it just seems that that is the center of action, even yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And, and it's called the Holy Land. And so it's, it's almost very, like... very, powerful. And yeah. by the way, I know, God's and we will get on to the future, but the groaning is as though... And, and in Romans 8, it says the whole of creation is groaning, um, as in the pains of the child, but waiting for the redemption of the sons of God to appear. Um, it, it, um, it, it's as though that, yes, that started... And, it, and again, it will be completed mm. from that same place. Yes, and that yeah. Jerusalem is the place of redemption, you know. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it's, it's almost so. like, so it's, it is, interestingly, at the centre of the earth. But also that is, makes it ideal for the propagation of the gospel yeah. as well. And also, but it put Israel, I think you were saying this, because it was in the middle of all the trade routes, you know, Africa, yeah. Asia, yeah. Europe, everything went through that central point. Obviously, God had a purpose in that. Mm. It, but it also made Israel very vulnerable, as you say, constantly either attacked from Egypt in the south or yeah. one of the empires in the yeah. north, Babylon or Assyria. Uh, and so you could also see in that that God wanted Israel to trust, this is a big theme, to trust in the Lord because they're basically outnumbered by these yeah. big guns yeah. all around them. And they can only really survive and prosper if they will trust yeah. in the Lord. Yeah. And, and God is appealing to them to do that. But it's a wonderful revelation that we have from our scriptures that God created. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's clear when, we, when we're talking about the flood, we're talking about the earth, we're talking about a creator of, of it all and um, who, who is sovereign mm. over, over the whole. And, and I, I do find that the... the the imagery of, of the earth being like a, a pregnancy, you know, and the tensions of the tectonic plates yes. is almost like, and, and the scarring of the earth's surface from these tensions is, is almost like, uh, as it were, the scarring uh, of, of a tummy waiting for the baby to be mm. produced. Yeah. yeah. Try not to stretch that too far, so to speak. Um, yeah. So we, I, I know it's all fascinating because we, we have, we're, we're aware of all of these prophecies, but we, we ha we're dealing with the prophecy of Jonah, and, and we'll see when stuff fits in. Just while we're giving an overview, I, I do find it amazing, and it, I think it does apply to our day, and it's in our passage, that the secular world tries to find a solution. You know, that those that are godless, and godlessness and wickedness go together. So those that are godless just try whatever method they yes. can to save themselves. Yes. And that's what we've been living through yes. even this, during this crisis. And, and reject, willfully reject the, the God-given solution. 
they, they, they don't want to hear about it. The fact that it is utterly foolproof is neither here nor there. The fact they need to stop, they can stop searching and scratching around and putting together these schemes and plans, and most of which are wicked and most of which do not benefit all people mm. at all. Mm. I mean, yeah. perhaps... Without going don't. into all the details, but the, yeah. the thing That's is... That's right. But, but, so, but they reject... But there are, the, what they reject is the principle that... God, it's, in, it's throughout the, the scriptures that you don't touch the unclean thing. Now, suddenly Boris Johnson's discovered, oh, wash your hands, you know, and don't, you know, don't have this social contact. But the scriptures are quite clear, you know, the, of the, 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 this cleanliness that, that is demanded of the... the it's, yeah. it's like a, a picture, an analogy of how... of the spiritual realm. Mm. Yes. And, and there it is. So actually, the solution to all of the problems is in the scriptures. Yes. But he, here we have. Are we going to get on to Tarshish this week? I don't think it doesn't will. matter. So I'm, I'm holding myself back. But we, we do have how, the, the secular mind, the, the mind that does not um, honor God, has, has their own solutions yes. of, of how to solve them. And, and as Paul tells us in Romans 1, they have no excuse. No excuse, because he's revealed himself in his creation. So they may not have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. but they cannot deny his existence because he reveals himself. He in reveals his himself in his in creation, yeah. and Romans two in your conscience. Yes. Mm. But, but, so uh, let's just dig in. So in verse um, four or five, the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. To lighten the load, so that's like a just. A pra it wasn't necessarily godless, you no. know, to try and save the ship, but it was. Um, it was crying out to false gods, and they were never going to. But save it was them. still, still. This is how you can see how it's so different from today. There was a recognition. <clears throat> it was a, a, mm. a wrong conclusion, but there was a recognition. There was something out there which was greater than them, and they had found a route. They thought they'd found a route to it. Because That's a fair way to put it. Because the truth had not yet been revealed to them. I mean, it was revealed to them very shortly after this incident, but it has not yet been revealed to them. But they at least had this recognition that they had to cry for help and mercy <coughs> from something beyond themselves. People are very spiritual today, but they're not spiritual in that way. No. They're spiritual in, in the sense that they're looking to, you know, to... <laughs> well, I find they do look to many things, but when you talk biblical spirituality, you're mocked. Yes. But all the other stuff seems Fine. to be... I want to pick up on something with, with Derek now, and that is, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep, verse 5. Mm. I'm sure I've read that somewhere in the Gospels. <laughs> well, it's, it's different, though, isn't it? Yes, you but... Can't, um, no, of course Jesus, it is. of course, slept in the storm. Yes, yeah. But that was the sleep of faith. Yes. Whereas I think Jonah's was the sleep of, uh, of, of a man out of fellowship, because yeah. the Bible uses uh, a Waco sleeper. When a Christian is out of fellowship, it's like they're asleep, mm -hmm. and it's hard to actually distinguish them from someone who's a dead. So it says, arise from the, from the yeah. dead, yeah. from among the dead. So you're living like a dead person, like a, yeah. a spiritually dead unbeliever. Yeah. And nobody can, you'd have to get up really close to be able to tell the difference yeah. if they're sleeping or not. So Jonah, <laughs> if you notice, he, there's the emphasis on the word down. You know, he 
he, God tells him to go to Assyria, but instead he goes down to Joppa. Yeah. Then he goes into this ship, and then he goes down into That's the bottom of the ship. And then, of course, later on, he goes down even further into the deep. And, and even further, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that another time. And so when you turn away from God, mm. you're, you're on a spiral downhill. Yeah. And, and Jonah was out of fellowship right now. He was um, unaware of the storm. He was in his own little bubble. He didn't want to, in, in a sense, he, he wanted just to get away from God and, and not be bothered with things. Mm. And um, so... You have reminded me, by the way, of... One of my favorite lines from Keith Green, which is the world is <laughs> sleeping in the dark, but the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. Mm, yeah. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you said. And yeah. when you're out of fellowship, um, it's as though you're dead. Yeah, because yeah. he's not praying. Well, the sign yes. that you're out of fellowship is you're not praying. Your prayer life dies up. Yeah. Yeah. And the, all the others, they're Very praying to their gods. Jonah is, is the one who isn't praying, and so he's meant to be the man of God. absolutely correct. <laughs> thank you for well, that. Well, that's one interpretation, yeah. and I think it's probably yeah. right. Yeah. But I also think there's another interpretation. If you go back to, to verse 3, yeah. I mean, we naturally conclude that Jonah is in rebellion. That's what we do. But just stand back for a moment and think. He, he, is he really, or is he testing God? Because this is the only prophet that has been sent to the Gentiles. Now, not only does he knows this is dangerous, but I'm going to be ostracized by my own people. Mm. What do I do? Did I really hear you, God? Perhaps I'll flee to Tarshish and you'll pull me back if it's you. That's, that's another way to look at it. Um, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm just putting myself in, in the place of this man. Yeah. You can understand why he didn't want to go. He, he's between a rock and a hard place in the natural. And, 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 and so he, he goes into, he, he, he runs away. But you could see the way he speaks to the captain, that he's not really out of fellowship with God. He, he knows he, he certainly how this when, he, when, when it and, came to the crunch, he stood... And, and he's at peace. He's still I mean, a true I, believer. He's yes, still yes, a true yes, believer. Yes, yes, and, yes. and this is where his actions, yeah. not the man, but his actions, and we see as the story yeah. unfolds, are very Christ-like. They are types of Christ. He's mm -hmm. asleep in the storm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he, he recognises the solution. Is the other thought, the, go on, the, go on, the solution, then I'll give the well, other. Well, the solution is, is Jesus spoke to the storm, but, yeah. but he's going to be thrown in and, and the Lord's going to calm the storm. It's, the Lord will calm the storm. The creator God will calm the storm. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with anything. And, and, and the, these guys also recognise this because sailors, I think it's sailors have to be acutely aware, don't they, of their surroundings, particularly in these days when there were no, you know, no technology to help them. I mean, they were absolutely reliant upon their senses, their interpretation of what's going on around them. So they're pretty spiritual, these guys, and they think, who's brought this upon us? Perhaps it, they didn't expect it in that part of the sea at that time of year. Completely unexpected, therefore there had to be another expedition as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, so the other thought that came to me, which we often do in Bible studies, is... <clears throat> You know, what would we do and where is our attitude today? So God, God is saying that our nation has departed from him and is, is ripe for judgments um, in one sense. But in another sense, he said, preach so they'll repent. Um, 
do we go out and preach repentance or, or would we really rather like um, you know these the wicked you know compatriots to be judged <laughs> um, by God it's you know it sort of does shine a mirror on us because I think there are many Christians who, who, who actually relish almost relish the judgment more than the repentance and the turning yes, back to God. I'm sorry to be sound cynical. No, but there's a temptation it. for that. I yeah. think it, it, yeah, we do. Um, we have to hold two things together, yeah. and sometimes it's hard for us to do that. Mm. But you know that God loves the sinner, mm. but He hates the sin. Mm. Uh, and and it sounds very simple, but but we see that coming through the whole book of Jonah, that you know God loved loved Jonah even when he was being disobedient. Um, but, it, but he doesn't compromise with the sin. And, and that he loved the, the Gentiles, he loved the Ninevites, but he doesn't compromise with sin. So in the same way, we've got to get that right. Because yes, and, and I think I know what you mean, that we can get so aware of the sin of the nation mm. that we, all we can think of, well, surely God must judge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yet we must equally be full of the love of God that causes us to, to, to say, don't judge God, because we want as many people to be saved as possible. Yeah. And in a way, his mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. So yes, our, our place is primarily to, to preach the gospel and call people to repentance. Yeah. We know that judgment day is coming, but, but we should want God to be long-suffering and hold back the judgment so that as many people as possible can That's be saved. Right. So that's what we should do, but there, there is a kind of culture war going on yeah, where you is. take sides, very accentuated in the, in the United States, and, you know, it, it becomes a sort of, you know, zero sum. You know, you've got to crush this yeah. opposition, whereas God might have another plan. I, I mean, I would argue that judge, the whole purpose of judgment is not to punish, but to drive people to the Lord. Ultimately, that's very good. it does punish that's because nice those who are... Who are it will upset some viewers, but those who are not the elect will go to the doom that's predestined for them. But um, this is the purpose of judgment. And I don't think it's wrong. I think it's in, uh, in Isaiah 26, I think it is, where, where it says, um, <clears throat> when your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. So that's right. So and that's we, God's grace. You know, that absolutely. Woven judgment into the comes, judgments. and in judgment, remember mercy. Except when you come it, to the final judgment. Yes, mm. which, is, which, is, which is different. But throughout this, this time, throughout our time on earth, human time on earth, judgment, the purpose of judgment is to drive people to the Lord. Mm. And, and, and um, that's why it's so important. But preaching judgment, I don't think is good preaching, not, in, not as New Testament Christians. We need to preach the gospel. The gospel will take care of the judgment. The gospel will take care of the repentance. It will cause people to repent. It's the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation, not the law, not any aspects of it, not any aspects or, or methods of, of proper Christian behavior. No, it's the gospel which is the power of God. And if the gospel is preached, people will repent. They will. So let's just read. I'm just going to, just for the record, as it were, Isaiah 26, verse 9. It says, um, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Yeah. Then verse 10, Let grace be shown to the wicked, 
I mean, why would God say to Jonah, preach, if they're going to be judged anyway, as it were? Yes. You know, it, it's yes. his grace that's yes. at work. And, yes. and, but then it says, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he will deal unjustly, uh, talking about um, the people who reject God and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Yeah. And so Lord, when so your hand is lifted up, they will not see, um, but they will see and be ashamed. Right. Quite. That's the tragedy of the whole of human history, isn't it? God extending his hand of grace, mm. yes. giving the message and it being rejected. Mm. And judgment and mercy are both in the character of God. So yes, we, that's right. We, they're not like, they might seem like opposites, but as you say, the, Jonah's message, which was a message of judgment and no hint of mercy in a way, it just said, judgment, judgment day is coming on you. Yet the very fact that he gave the message, as I think you were saying, it was an act of mercy by God. Mm. And Jonah knew that. Jonah knew that, that, and that's why he didn't want to do it because um, he knew that there was a good chance that the Assyrians would, might repent. Yeah. And that's not the result he wanted. Yeah. Um, so, um, because he knew that God was merciful. So we've got to understand that, that, that this is the mercy. It might sound, oh, it's judgmental, but actually the warning of judgment is, is, is it's merciful. It's a very merciful. kind thing yeah. to do. And I think that is Preach a kind truth of in love. second line of the gospel. You know, the first line of the gospel is salvation but there is a, a second line which is judgment which is you know there is judgment coming jesus took the judgment for you but if you reject him That's you're going to have to face that judgment you know and so so it is a kind of it's there and uh got jonah that message of judgment was what got through to the ninevites uh sometimes sadly uh, I think, you know, I think Jude, is it Jude or James says, you know, use the mercy of God, use the love of God to, to reach people. But some you have to save with fear. Yeah. Some yes. of them yes. need that warning of judgment, otherwise they're not going to wake up. <laughs> Great. So we're going to get to that. Um, we've got sort of 15 odd minutes left, 10 minutes left. I, I think we're still in our introductory Bible study on this. And I, I want to look at Nineveh. Uh, again, and in the archaeology and the history books, obviously Bible-believing Christians through the ages and uh, those who, who believe God's word say, of course, Nineveh existed. But, but we had a period a couple of hundred years ago where sort of atheism emerged as a force, um, you know, and it became organized and we had Charles Darwin and we had all these very you know, big bearded, big brained, you know, people who, who basically poo-pooed the notion of, you know, oh, it's, it's a Bible fable. And, and I just want to explore the fact that the, the, these scriptures are written as history. It's not mm. learn the lesson of, of, or the parable of Jonah. It mm. is, it, jo Jonah existed and we, we've, we've set him in the historical timeline, but the place Nineveh existed mm. in, 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 and in archaeology. And I think, <clears throat> so I've read, you know, it was, there, there were plenty of scholars mm. um, 
around the time of, of the you know, post-Enlightenment who, who would say, oh, well, that's just one of the Bible fairy tales. Yeah, it's interesting that Nahum's follow-up prophecy, because um, eventually Nahum you know, said, Nineveh, you'll be destroyed, and it was. Yeah. Um, he actually talks about how Nineveh would get buried and even its name would be forgotten. And uh, nobody knew where it was. Now, it was in, other, it was in the Bible in Genesis 10. Um, it was in the Babylonian records and so on. But as you say, there were many who just uh, almost like prejudiced against the Bible. Yeah. And because and nobody knew where Nineveh was, yeah. even the local Arabs didn't know who lived there, didn't know it's that this, this was... It's all covered in sand. Totally yeah. covered over. Nobody had a clue. Yeah. Um, and... Because and I absolutely love that. <laughs> you know, it's just... It just shines a light on this... Mm. You know, this pseudo-intellectualism, which, which yes. is the higher criticism, which says, oh, well, you know, it's just, yeah. um, you know, these are just the words of man, you know, just for bedtime stories. Yeah. And then I think it was in 1849 that right. Lord Layard yeah. um, discovered yeah. Nineveh. And, the and that's not long ago. The great palace, you know, yeah. there of um, Sennacherib and... Not so long ago, and, and of course it was one of the great discoveries. And of course a lot of the stuff he found is now in the British Museum. Yeah. And you can go and see it, you know. So uh, he, he wanted to get as much stuff, and, and I, I think that's good, you might say. Well, the British Museum <laughs> is magnificent. Yeah. Yes. I don't know who owns all and the I think stuff it's in there, but protect, it is... protected that stuff. Yes, haven't yeah. they just? And I think yeah. so, I think that was God, because it needed to be protected. And, and more recently, Look at what the Taliban and, and the ISIS folk have been doing. Yeah. Just blowing stuff up. Yes, okay. that's right. So there it's probably the best Assyrian collection in yeah. the world, yeah. quite possibly. And so, um, yeah, uh, I believe that that was God. It brought it to the light. And as you say, it confirmed that the scriptures were correct all yeah. the time because yeah. there are characters like Sennacherib in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And Sargon is a famous one that the critics thought Crotagon's in the Bible, but it, for a time wasn't even mentioned in any records. And then, lo and behold, and they said, oh, it's just Bible rubbish. Yeah. And then Sargon was discovered in the monuments. And so, uh, and then Nin the discovery of Nineveh and other places yeah. absolutely confirmed the Bible every time. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonah's definitely a historical book. All the places are, are historical yeah. and true to, to history. So we'll probably return to this because I, it's amazing how a lot of this, I know we have German higher criticisms, but a lot of this sort of intellectualism, you know, that in the wisdom of man, they reject God, as it were, um, in their, their foolishness. Um, mm. the evolution with Charles Darwin, it's all from that era of, you know, we, we, are, you know, we can solve the world's problems ourselves, we're enlightened. And... Um, I find it interesting that at that time they, they, they also... But a lot of it's still alive and kicking in the church That's today, Tim. And, and in the uh, church as well. Yeah, it is, and it's still there. Yeah. 
Um, if something is a bit too fanciful, then it's dismissed. And uh, perhaps it might just be worth looking at what are, what are the alternatives you know, that they offer up. You mentioned them. I mean, one is, a, it, it's a, well, let's start, is allegory. You know, it clearly isn't allegory. Allegory, the best example, of course, is Pilgrim's Progress, a wonderful allegorical mm. tale teaching profound truths in a fictitious manner. So it isn't, it isn't allegory. It's not a parable because it's much too long. It doesn't fit the, the parables mm. as they're represented elsewhere. The parables are clearly fictitious and teaching profound spiritual moral truths, um, using a story to do so. Uh, the other thing is sometimes it's palmed off as midrash, you know, the, 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 the workings and musings of the scribes over the centuries. But all that denies Jesus' reference to the book of Jonah. Yes. And it is clearly both historical and prophetic narrative. Mm, yeah. There's any doubt about that. Yeah. If, if, if we'd be more trouble if Jesus hadn't mentioned it. Uh, we'd just be yeah. you know, running on blind faith. It's yes. in the Bible, therefore it's yeah. right. Yeah. But, but actually, it doesn't stand up to intellectual rigorous argument. No, I mean, Jesus, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, yes. he absolutely says Jonah was a real prophet. Yeah, he does. And um, and also the they the Ninevites did repent. Yes, you know, and he, in fact he uses that as the yeah. basis of saying, you you Galileans didn't repent, and the Ninevites that's repented. That's, that's the right. whole basis of his comment yeah. was yeah. the reality of that situation. Yeah. So, if you're a for a Christian, there can be no doubt that this is yeah. real history. Yeah. Um, and, and then going spiritual again, the the, the name Jonah means. Dove. Dove. It's amazing. It the, is. You know, that, that it's there it in is. the heart. And his father's it. name means truth. Wow. Dove, the son of truth. Mm. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Wonderful. That is, that is wonderful. Okay, it's so we've got five more minutes, so let's it's, just... It's, it's um, interesting that he, where he, um, the village that he came from... Um, Amitai. Whoever it was. No, that's his father. Oh, yeah, sorry, son uh, of It's in the Two Kings passage. Okay. But it's literally three miles from Nazareth. Really? So he was very much, you know, if you imagine Jesus growing up, Jonah was the, the local prophet, you know, and, and, and he's the one prophet that Jesus compares himself to, of course. He says, I'm the greater than Jonah. Yeah. So, of course, he literally grew up at the same place where, where Jonah grew up. And you know, when they, they accused, oh, can a prophet come out of Galilee? You know, that was yeah. one of the... Yeah. Well, absolutely, yes. yes. Jonah was from Galilee. <laughs> exactly. And, and the Jews, by the way, the Jews accepted Jonah as, as a prophetic book mm. um, right from the beginning. They, they never questioned whether it was some kind of allegory. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've always believed yeah. the reality of that. Yeah. And they read it on the Day of Atonement, don't they? Mm. They read it on Yom Kippur. That's right. Yeah. Now that's interesting, you yes. see. Yeah. Yeah, that would well, be worth we commenting could, we, on. We haven't got time, but carry no, on. We, we never have. Yeah. <laughs> carry on. No, we've got all eternity. Well, when, I w when we were in Israel, um, Christine Dog actually took us to a place where this rabbi who was trying to build bridges with the Christian community mm -hmm put on this lunch with loads of us, about That's 100 right, I've been of us. There. Yeah. Yeah. And he was actually talking from Jonah, yeah. because it was the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah. And they were connecting, which was a surprise to me, but interesting, they were connecting the fact that, you know when Jonah in chapter 4 puts up this tabernacle, yeah. that he was actually <laughs> marking the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm. And as you know, there's 40 days before Tabernacles, 
but well, before, leading up to atonement, rather, um, wh which is the time of warning, you know. Yeah. And so I think maybe the Jewish tradition puts it at that time of year. So we're getting a really good taste yeah. of yeah. the coming <laughs> weeks. We've still got time, so don't, don't tune off yet. But don't put your kettle on yet. <coughs> um, yeah, I went to that chap, Rabbi Maclis or Maclis. Oh, that's it. Um, uh, and, yeah, it, it, it is amazing. Of course, they don't know the Lord Jesus as Messiah, and yet it's there all around them um, in the meal itself. And, and often the timing of these scriptures that are sort of set for that day in the calendar are quite profound. Yes. And, and I, I was there, and I, I was asked... That, that, that it was the scripture on, on the Jubilee. And I happened to be there with um, a Professor Martin Dent from Keele University, who, who no one would look twice at, but he came up with the idea of Jubilee 2000 cancelling world debt. It never, was, it never happened. But I was given that scripture to read. And I, I knew Martin was there. And so we're, we're talking about God's ownership of the land mm. and us being custodians mm. and... And, and the meaning of jubilee and I, I i love that when the lord brings the timing in and i believe he's brought us here to you know there's a yes. timing for us to okay, be absolutely. here at this point in history to be studying these these words of of jonah and um i'm not sure if jonah's in the dead sea scrolls i'll put i'll leave that to another day but it's the fact that we have our scriptures before us be. today for almost certainly. I know the whole of Isaiah. I think they is said there. that every book was except one. And it wasn't. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it yeah. is. So, you know, all of these, and as we talk about sort of messianic overtones, you know, it's hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus came. Mm -hmm. We sometimes take that for granted. Mm -hmm. The, the specific details of things that are to come are there in the prophecies. The, the immediate one was, was the prophecy concerning Nineveh. Um, so, in our last minute, let's just have a quick summarising of what we're going to be studying. We're going to, we are going to study Tarshish. I'm not even going to open that one up. <laughs> but it is, is, every name, every place is significant. The name of Jonah, where he wanted to go, um, and what happened on the sea. So, we're, we've run out of time. And the problem is we've got to a point where normally in the previous Bible says, and Ian, what do you think? And then, you know, I've, I've opened up a whole new topic, but we're, we're in the last few, few moments. I hope you've enjoyed our sort of new old Bible study. It's always a blessing to be around together around God's word. And we talk more about repentance and forgiveness in the coming weeks. Thank you.